Hey, what's up? All right, so guys, welcome to the Shipcast. Essentially, this is the first episode. It's the pilot episode of the Shipcast. I'm super excited. Um, we have our very first guest, Booligoosh here, Ethan, on his actual name, you know. And essentially, we're just gonna be talking about indie maker stuff. The the Shipcast, the concept of the Shipcast is just to bring successful founders in and let's just talk, have a nice casual conversation about indie maker culture, how they became successful, what they've done, what others can learn from them, and just generally have a nice chill conversation. So, uh, Ethan, go ahead, introduce yourself, give people, uh, give the audience who may or may not know, even though probably most know who you are, uh, give, tell them about you, your products, what you've made, just go ahead. Okay, um, so hey, I'm Ethan, um, I'm 15 years old, um, and I'm from Sydney in Australia, um, and I think I started, okay, well, I, we can talk more about this later if you want, but I like properly started indie making kind of halfway through last year, I think, um, with my first product, Kanban Mail, um, which I don't know if you're familiar with Kanban, but it's basically a board with columns, like Trello, that's a Kanban board. Um, so it's basically like Trello, but for your emails. Um, so you can see which emails need doing when, and like it's more visual, because I don't know, I, I often think quite visually, so um, like it's good for me like that. Um, and I've also made a few other products. Um, I made something called Make.Rocks, which is uh, a profile for makers um, in the 24 hour startup challenge. Um, and you won it. You won a thousand dollars. You you won the the twenty four hour startup challenge, which was insane. Yeah, oh yeah, I won it. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Which was nice. Um, I think that's definitely the most awards I've ever won for one product. <laughs> um, <laughs> two. Um, yeah. Also, um, code the web. Um, I'll get into that more later. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. Probably, or if we want. We'll see. Um, but that's basically just a, a blog where I write tutorials um, I, like to help beginners learn web development um, because I find that lots of web development tutorials on like MDN and stuff, they use all this complicated language. And if you've like just learned what HTML and CSS is, then you know you're going to have no idea about this stuff. Um, Absolutely. And I feel like lots of tutorials actually include all these, uh, you know, big fancy terms just to kind of sound like yeah. real tutorials. It's crazy. Um, like all these beginner tutorials like, try to teach you about Webpack. Tutorial. The point is, I wanna, I wanna teach you. So let's just uh, get all the other stuff out of the way and do that. Um, and then also make a log menu bar. I made that in like a week for fun because um, it was something I needed. And yeah. Well, uh, you've had quite a trajectory. That's insane. You are literally... Oh, shit. There's a delay. Oh, wait. There we go. I can hear you again. Cool. Yeah. The other kind of keeps cutting out, but... Okay, so you are literally 15 years old. You've made a crap ton of products. Holy crap. I, you know, Dinoka on Slack, he, he, he's always like, I want my son to be a bullyush. <laughs> it's my favorite quote from the Maker's Kitchen. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about your product since you have a, you've had a crazy ass trajectory. I mean, winning the 24 hour startup challenge, $1,000, all that stuff. Man, talk to me a little more about that. Talk to me about uh, Kanban Mail and uh, how it began and uh, what led you to create it in general? Give me an overview about that. 
Oh, you mean like Canman Mail specifically, or just kind of getting into indie making? Huh? Like Canban Mail specifically, or just kind of getting into indie making in general? Well, indie making in general, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I'm not really sure if Canban Mail was... Was Canban Mail your first product, or was it like... It's debatable. Um, debatable? So I actually, I made Code the Web in, um, I think, October 2017. That's when I started it. Um, so, like, if you count that as a product, then it sort of all started then. Um, and even if you don't count it as a product, that's kind of how I got into indie making. Um, so I think, I think what happened is uh, there. I used to hang out quite often in this uh, Slack community called Dev Chat, um, which had like thousands of basically just all these different developers, and I was talking. Like, one day, I think we were having a discussion about personal blogs or something. Um, and this dude recommended a, a blogging email course. Um, so I was like, okay, sure, I'll sign up. And then I just kind of forgot about it until, like, the email started, like, popping up in my inbox. And then I was like, oh, yeah, there's this thing. Um, so I kind of just read through them. Um, and, like, at the end of each email, there was kind of, like, an action step. Um, and I looked at them, and I'm like, okay, they're actually not that hard, you know? Um, so like I might as well try to do this. Um, so then I basically just like pushed out a ton of content, um, and I think in maybe November or late October or something, um, I went sort of viral-ish on Reddit. Um, like I posted. Really? How like, so? This is the part of bullying which I don't know about. <laughs> what? Not super viral. Um, I, I think I only got a few thousand visitors. Um, but at the time, I'd, I'd never got more than like ten visitors in one day. So I mean. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I posted, I think, a list of, I just finished writing some HTML tutorials, and I posted a link to, like, a list of them on Reddit, um, and I think it got, like, 1,300 upvotes or something. That's pretty, nice. damn, wow, a lot of people try their whole lifetimes to, to get 1,000 votes on, on Reddit. That's crazy, that's awesome. Uh, did you get a lot of hits from that, or? Uh, I think it was, it was probably, like, um, okay, over the course of a week, maybe it was four or five thousand or something. It's pretty good. Um, so definitely not as good. many as uh, from Hacker News. Um, but, like, it was still kind of crazy, uh, just, like, seeing thousands of people on my site. Yeah. Um, and then I think, again, I got, like, semi, like, less successful, but I got, like, 700 upvotes or something for post on Flexboxes. Um, but yeah, so basically that gave me lots of motivation to keep going. Um, so yeah, I kept like pumping stuff out. Um, and then obviously after the big spike and it was like traffic was going down and down, which is kind of, you know, natural. Um, but I was feeling a bit sad about that. So I was kind of looking uh, how to get more traffic. And I think that's when I kind of discovered Product Hunt and how I discovered like indie hackers and all those sorts of sites and kind of the maker community. Um, so then, um, I think in April or something, I launched like the, the actually the Code the Web newsletter on Product Hunt just to kind of test it out, see how this whole thing works. Um, so obviously around that time, I kind of uh, got more active sort of in the maker community, uh, not entirely. Um, but yeah, then it kind of overlaps with Canva Mail really, um, because I think I had that idea during mid-2017, so actually before I started Code the Web. Um, and then I think I started working on it 
kind of in December 2017. Um, it was the school holidays, and I spent like a week just sitting on the computer um, trying to build this whole thing and trying to work out how the hell React works. <laughs> oh, wow. You started out with React. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of, I think, yeah, so then kind of by the end of the school holidays, I'd kind of, uh, like, not really give it up, but temporarily paused that. Um, and then I think it was maybe uh, June or something. Um, I found about, I was looking on Product Hunt one day, and I saw Vue Native. Um, and I think the whole reason that I'd actually wanted to learn React in the first place was because I'd heard about React Native, and I was like, oh, cool, then I can make mobile apps and stuff. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I didn't really like React that much, and there's a Vue Native, so I might as well try learning Vue. Um, so I like uh, <laughs> searched up the documentation, and I like made a demo in my browser. I think it was... Actually, this is a very small, funny story, um, but it was the night I was meant to be submitting some assignment, um, but instead I was, like, mucking around in Vue.js. Oh, so wow. So I ended up making a massive countdown of, like, until I needed to submit my assignment <laughs> as my, like, demo. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I was like, this is really cool. Um, uh, I think it would be... Brief intermission for the viewers. Don't try this at home. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I kind of just uh, did an experiment with like an, an ordered list with like three email titles, uh, just like typed in and seeing how it worked. Then I was like, okay, this is kind of like good because, you know, Vue seems kind of more like normal HTML. And also it kind of reminded me of Jekyll because like there are similarities. Um, that's what I use for Code the Web. So then I was like, oh, okay, I'll keep working on Kanban Mail. So then I kind of just ended up converting it all to view and then I was kind of working on it for the next two months and like getting more into the indie maker community and then I think I launched it in like well I, I like released the first beta version in late July and I think I announced it in early July so uh Canon mail was more like a learning project like a natural progression than uh than an actual solid product you like set out to to make perhaps to, to solve a problem? Or was it just maybe a middle ground between learning and I want to solve this problem in in a product I want to sell eventually? So um, I think it, it probably, it was more about solving a problem um, because like in 2017, I thought, well, this would be amazing if I could um, like just have a Kanban board, um, you know, for my emails. Um, so I think, uh, like the bit about view and stuff, that was kind of just more what kind of got me back into it. Um, that because you know I'd like kind of paused it for a while, and I uh, that that kind of sparked me getting back into it, and then I released it and stuff. Um, but it was definitely it wasn't well. I mean, it was sort of to learn stuff, but it was meant to be like a proper thing, solving a problem. Um, because I'd been reading all like these marketing posts and like about like growth hacks and weird stuff um but you know um they were all about like products and i mean like code the web is kind of a product but it's not like a product where you know like you sell it to the customer and they pay you money and then boom you know um so um one of my goals for 2018 was actually to launch uh, a proper like proper product um so that was Canva mail basically well, and, and you did pretty well. I mean, it, it ranked super high on HN even before you launched. 
So uh, for those yeah. who don't know, Bully Goosh, uh, he literally, he didn't actually even launch yet and he was already on the front page of Hacker News. That's how insanely successful Camden Mail was and still is. And then he launched on Product Hunt and he took over. Tell, like, tell me more about this whole launch strategy and how this all happened and uh, the Hacker News uh, surprise and the Product Hunt launch. Uh, tell me more about it. I really want to like... Okay. Um, so basically, um, I, was, I was kind of in Maker's Kitchen and stuff. Um, and I was telling everyone about how cool Kanban Mail would be and stuff. And lots of people were like, oh, I want to try it out and stuff. And, you know, um, so I was thinking of basically releasing like a kind of small beta version so I could share it with like Danuka and you and maybe a few other people, uh, Mubaris and some others. Um, and I think I had an email list, uh, like an, a, a sort of email list uh, where I posted it in like one Telegram group or something. And it had like 17 people on it. Um, so I basically sent it to them. And I was like, uh, hey, you, you can use the very early beta now. Um, it was literally just a proof of concept. It was literally just so I could, you know, show you, okay, look, you can drag the emails and stuff. Like, you couldn't even send emails. You couldn't reply to emails. You couldn't do a ton of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I think I launched that on, like, I don't remember the day. Um, but within, and I think I also posted it on Product Hunt Makers. Um, and within, I think... Yeah, less than 12 hours, um, somebody had seen it on Product Hunt Makers, and they were like, oh, this is cool. Um, so then they decided to just post it on Hacker News. Oh, wow. And it kind of uh, blew up. So then I woke up with all these notifications, like, congrats on number one on Hacker News, and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. I, 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 was, I was part of that <laughs> notification squad. I, I was just, I remember the moment. I was having lunch at my grandmother's house or something, and... Suddenly, I, I just, I was bored. I was checking my phone. I open Hacker News, just as a random app I want to open, right? I, I scroll and I see Kanban Mail. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, and then we all start posting it on Slack. It, we all went crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. Um, so don't ask me for launch tips on how to launch on Hacker News. Um, because I have no idea. I didn't even post it, right? It just I happened. Just, like, it just happened. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's not like they used, you know, advanced, super hacky title techniques or anything. It was literally, like, show HN, Kanban for email. Like, it was... Yeah. Like, it, it was super was simple. And I think that's... Yeah. This is kind of more like an off remark just something i want to say on the side i think that's actually one of the best and debate me on this i think that's one of the best strategies for hacker news just be genuine like just yeah, go think, uh, and and show something off and let people handle it as they will don't try to force it too much yeah i think so yeah that, yeah I, I agree with that um yeah i think um basically People don't like, okay, well, basically, you know, you see like a, a ton of big companies um, and they're super successful. So like, you're like, oh, I want to be like Amazon, right? Um, and you know, Amazon appears like a big company and they don't say like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm Amazon. Um, so, you know, I should try and, you know, appear like some big fantasy company thing. Um, but I think that's actually wrong. Um, I think 
like the big companies do that. It's not that's not why they're successful. I don't think. I think that's just something that comes with being a stupid huge successful company. Is that you know you can't have enough you know customer support people and you've got the media on your back and you know you can't just do that. Um, but I think that people actually prefer that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if you look at all the successful companies, they're not doing that. Um, so it's kind of rigged in a way there where you kind of think that you're meant to act all official. Yeah, exactly. And that's a mistake a lot of people made make and. It's something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, that genuine, being genuine online is the best way to attract. Uh, um, it's the best marketing you can possibly do online, in a way. I mean, a lot of VC-backed startups, a lot of actual even indie makers, independent makers who haven't really uh, realized it yet, uh, they start out by just acting huge, like. <laughs> Uh, I, I remember back in the day, and we all we all did this, we gotta admit, we all did this. In our products, we would like talk in third person and stuff and be like, oh, we have identified the cause of the problem. We have all fixed the bug or something like that, right? And it was just one guy on their basement just typing out code like, oh, shoot, acting like a, like a $1 billion company. And that's literally... That's what I did. That's probably what most indie makers did. But then you kind of slowly realize the best way to market is literally just be genuine, be, be human. Uh, that, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, so I completely agree with you. Um, something that I often kind of think about, um, I don't know if I say it, I might say it, um, is uh, the best type of marketing is not marketing, right? Like, um, anything that appears to be marketing is bad marketing, you know? <laughs> um, like, good marketing is just kind of, you know, being yourself and getting people hyped. Um, because, I don't know, like, if you just see some weird statement from some big company, like, that doesn't... Um, resonate with you emotionally connect with you, you yeah know? it's not like, relatable at all it's that's i think that's yeah. the thing it's not relatable and that kind of like alienates people in a way yeah um and i think also kind of if you've got like this really official marketing-y thing um also in a way you kind of assume well i uh, sort of sometimes assume that their product isn't good enough you know um like it's not good enough for them to be able to just say uh, Kanban for email, get like does like you know to number one on the Hacker News, you know, like uh, I mean that like okay, well that's a bit extreme. Um, but I feel like if I see some company doing like shady marketing tactics and sending me, you know, cold DMs and saying uh, thank you um, for checking this out, would you like a whatever? Um, I kind of just get the feeling that you know their product isn't good enough for me to just be like okay here's a cool product i click buy it's good product yay um and i think once you get like people don't like all the fluff stuff you know they like um because ultimately it's just about uh, delivering value to the customer and sending a bunch of spammy dms and like yeah i mean language and stuff like that doesn't help anyone you yeah know? i think a prime example of, of this is you know uh, all the people that have launched in product hunt ever 
we always get a DM afterwards from some guy or some um, or some company just trying to pitch you something like, Hi, Sergio, I noticed your product on X page and, and trying to be human, <laughs> but you just know it's so automated. And, and yeah. hi, Sergio, we noticed your product on the product on, uh, product on homepage. Oh, my God, it looks amazing. Uh, please click buy. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's even funnier um, when when you launch multiple products that come near the top. Um, so then you get like multiple DMs from the same person and you can just see the exact same text but with the different product titles like one after the other. Yeah, and it's it's so... Actually, on the on the chat right now, I think uh, Kerr sent the exact copy-paste of a message that I received. Like, right when I launched MakerLog, it's absolutely crazy and it's bad marketing because the, the thing about Product Hunt is that makers know each other. Everybody knows each other and everybody knows that we we're getting the same message. So everybody collectively ignores it. <laughs> it's kind of like sad. Uh, but uh, ba back on point, the, I, I think you made a great point that the best marketing is the one that resonates with you emotionally and doesn't look fake, doesn't look forced, doesn't look enterprise. And another great way of marketing that doesn't seem like marketing in my opinion i mean it doesn't really seem like marketing but in a way it kind of makes you relate to this product is also a very big uh principle of the, the maker community which is transparency yeah it contributes so much to the overall product to say have an open stats page and and people can see that hey uh, this isn't a shady black box company that I know nothing about, right? I, I, I know something about this company and uh, they're cool. They're literally sharing their stats with me. This is cool. I, what are your thoughts on, on transparency in general and how makers just love it so much? Because, I don't know, just go ahead. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> okay, um, so I think it's... Um, well, first of all, like it builds a lot of trust because... Um, that's the other thing, is uh, while uh, within the maker community, like kind of small companies can be, um, you know, a, a huge advantage, but I suppose sometimes outside of that, if you see like some tiny e-commerce store with like a credit card, um, like input, and, oh, uh, like you're not going to talk them, right? A Stripe uh, input just cool. right in the middle of the page. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like that, but just... You know, some random like WordPress blog selling, I don't know, like uh, microwaves or something. Microwaves. Um, <laughs> like, um, you're not going to trump them, right? Um, because they're small, you know? Um, like, you're more likely to buy it from, I don't know, like uh, eBay or Amazon or something because you know that, you know, there's kind of like protection-ish um, and you, you kind of tend to trust them more. Um, so I think to be like to some extent um without transparency um small businesses are actually worse off um, absolutely but when you when you make things transparent and they can see they can see everything that's going on like on canman mail you can see you can see what i was working on yesterday right um so if you're a paying customer you can be like oh cool today ethan's working on uh like uh the autocomplete thing in the composer or whatever um 
And I think then they, like, really trust you. Um, because, like, you don't... That's the thing, is I think, like, makers probably don't tell everyone everything that's going on. Um, I'm sure there's some stuff that people hide. Um, a absolutely. There's always, there's always a degree of things you want to keep, uh, perhaps for competitive advantage or just generally not wanting to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, one of the key principles of makers is that we, we try to make everything as transparent as possible. Uh, which is something very, very interesting. I mean, if I go to your... Something very cool that I find about the maker community is that if I go to your Camden Mail page right now, I can see how much you're making. That's something nobody does unless you're, like, a public company like Amazon or something. But nobody does that kind of stuff. And as you say, it builds such trust in that these people, you know... They're not shady. <laughs> it's just one guy building something he, he's really passionate about. Uh, transparency is so great. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. is um, If you see kind of a big company or whatever, you're like, okay, they might be a cool company or whatever. I might really like their product. Um, but ultimately, in like 90% of companies, you're like, okay, they're motivated by money. Like, ultimately... They just kind of want your money in return for something, you know? Um, whereas, I mean, indie makers, like, you know, uh, obviously it's a business, so you're trying to make money. Um, but I think also transparency kind of helps customers see that it's not all about, you know, just trying to spam everyone and, like, get as much money as possible, you know? Um, like, you can kind of see um, that uh, a maker is, is passionate about their product. Um, and I think... If you can see a product where uh, the people making it, like obviously um, they're you know uh, selling it or whatever, but they're really passionate about it, I think people um, are more likely, like uh, are more likely to want to buy, and are also more likely um, to kind of feel a connection to like your brand or your product. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hard work and love and like all that stuff into it. And know? something something very cool is that it also involves the user in the process of building it, right? And a, yeah. a lot of indie makers just love taking feedback because number one, it helps the the the, the maker, and number two, it helps the user. It's it's a win win for everybody, which is something these big companies don't do. Um, yeah. It's such a big part of the process of, of being transparent and, and creating a product. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on feedback? Uh, how do you handle feedback? How does it improve and help improve your product? And how does it make and build user trust for Camden Mail? Well, I, I think feedback is, is really important. Um, and I think users uh, are really amazed um, when you kind of actually take their feedback and stick it into your product. Um, because, you know, if you send a message to Google being like, hey, can you uh, let me change my Gmail address? They'll be like, no, oh, oh, we'll put it on. Well, okay, they'll probably be like, no, but even if they're like, yes, they'll be like, oh, we'll put it on our like 20 year roadmap, you know? <laughs> um, whereas if it like was just to an indie maker, they'd be like, oh, sure, I just like tweaked it in Stripe, there you go, done, right? No, um, you, you send an email to Google support, and the, and the first reply you get, hi, your ticket number is 1,025,000. <laughs> like, <laughs> just what? 
And that's something yeah. that doesn't happen um, with indie makers. Yeah, actually, um, probably about half um, of my paying customers, I, I basically talked to via email before they ended up um, subscribing. Um, and lots of them kind of had feature requests. Um, so I can just tell you right now that um, if, you're, if you want to get a new paying customer and they send you an email saying, hey, can you put this feature in? And then you kind of do it. And three hours later, you send a reply saying, hey, I added the feature. Um, like, that's going to leave a good impression. You Absolutely. Know? Um, and they're going to be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, and then hopefully, you know, they'll sign up. Um, so I think, um, like, implementing uh, feedback really fast can make uh, a good impression. Um, one example of this, actually, is the GIF picker in Kanban Mail. Um, that was kind of just a really random thing to put in there. Um, like, when you send an email, there's a GIFy thing, like like on Twitter, yeah. um, where you use a GIF. So obviously, that adds pretty much, like, no organizational value um, to the person using it. Um, but there was some, like, conversation on Twitter about uh, GIFs in emails or something. And they were like, I was like, maybe I should implement this in Kanban Mail. And they're like, yeah, you should. Um, so then I implemented it, not necessarily because it's going to make the users so much more productive, um, but because then people will be like, oh, Kanban Mail is kind of the cool, trendy brand that just uh, adds all these cool things. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, so that, like, that was an investment, not about um you know uh, helping the user necessarily although it might um but more just about kind of uh building that image of um you know it, uh, like that it, yeah attitude. It, it shows that you care about the product and you care about your customers which uh, also builds on the later topic we did on trust right but uh, as you said it helps conversions it helps sales because you've actually managed to onboard uh, users and, and onboard uh, potential uh, uh, customers by you know adding a, a little feature that they need or just yeah. generally being responsive to their feedback and that also has a very nice effect in which word of mouth takes takes over and people go to their friends and they're like hey uh camden mail is cool because he added a gif pick uh gif picker like a day ago and that's amazing send me a cat gif or something um uh, and it, it has that effect plus then again it helps build an improved and much better product uh, uh now there's something i also want to talk about uh different to all this but let's talk a little about the 24-hour startup challenge because this is something i really want to talk about um all right so number one i have one question and this is the biggest the, the the most pressing issue for me the most pressing question something i've been wanting to ask how did it feel to get that tweet <laughs> the, the the freaking 24-hour startup tweet that said you win you won this thing <laughs> well, um, it actually all happened while I was sleeping, um, which I'm kind of sad that I missed the whole suspense thing, but I'm also kind of glad because they spent like half an hour counting down until like, oh, yeah, like, number one, or you're not in there at all and stuff. Um, oh, dude, yes, so, you know, I, I remember. Holy crap, I yes. I, I totally <laughs> remember that the, that countdown was that was that was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. Um, but we were all in the maker's kitchen rooting for you. Uh, 
you probably actually you now that I remember fully, yeah, you probably woke up to like a thousand notifications on Twitter and Slack from us just being like, yo, Ethan, you won, you won. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. I remember getting a caps lock message from you in Telegram being like, bro, wakey, wakey. Bro, wakey, wakey, you, you won, you won. Um, so yeah, um, basically, actually, um, I think Armin, uh, told me it was gonna be, um, basically, I think, uh, one hour after I got to school, um, and Telegram and Twitter are blocked at school, um, so I was like, no, I'm not gonna find out. Um, um, and then he actually trolled me the night before. He was like, you know, I could tell you now if you'd won. And I was like, really? And he's like, I could, but I'm not going to. Oh, wow. Wow, Armin. <laughs> you you are on the record of being a bad person right now. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so they ended up announcing it like six hours early or something. So I wasn't expecting to get anything when I woke up but i kind of checked anyway and then i get this so like all the notification like my phone starts buzzing like crazy when i connect it to the internet and just like Zzz. i can't um, imagine that i did your phone crash like a, hmm? did your phone just crash did it just die no, it didn't crash um but kind of funnily enough um the the most recent notification was a dm from pat on twitter saying hey where do i send the prize <laughs> I yeah, I remember that. <laughs> the first um, notification you read on your phone, where do I send the prize? <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so then I kind of checked Twitter and I, I like to see what place I was. And so I was super cool that I like that I got a place. Um, but I was like, okay, what place am I? So then I kind of scrolled down and then I was like, wait, what? Number one. And then, <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then there were all these people saying congrats. And there were like 40 people and I was meant to get ready for school. So I didn't say thanks to all of them. I just did one tweet saying thanks everyone who said thanks because I could do another whole 24 hour stream just saying thanks to all of you. So Ethan, <laughs> shame on you. All those poor people waiting for the DMs. Damn. No, I think I actually, I, I might have got back to them like two days later and stuff when I finally finished catching up all the notifications. Um, but... <laughs> All right, all right. So you you go on the record as as you actually replied. Yeah, I think I did reply to most of them eventually. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool, and I was shocked. I was like, what? And then it was fun reading through all like the message history in like Slack and Telegram. It was like a massive headhunt. Like, where is Ethan? Is he at school? No, I don't think he's at school. Or oh, maybe he is. No, I think he said he was sleeping. <laughs> oh, dude, we were we were completely flooding that chat. We were on Maker's Kitchen. I'm pretty sure you know how Slack has like a, a ten thousand message limit. Uh -huh. We probably hit that limit like in that day alone. <laughs> like wow. Anyways, uh, expanding further on like your 24-hour startup victory, there's something I'm also wondering. How did your family react to, to like, you telling them, hey, uh, I just won $1,000? <laughs> well, yeah, they were pretty excited. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, so I think after I woke up, my dad woke up, and I'm like, because, yeah, he, like, obviously knew about it. It's not like I did a whole 24-hour stream without him, <laughs> without him knowing or, or whatever noticing um but like 
but yeah um so i was like oh i won and he's like really and i'm like yeah and then yeah he was excited too and my mom when she woke up yeah and my brother i think they were all excited yeah oh that's pretty cool um are they like hmm how do i how do i make this question uh, are they like super supportive in the process uh do you talk to them a lot about your uh maker things because i in my this is more like a, a relative junk person because i'm like 18 to 15 person talking uh question uh in in my case i don't talk to them much and and I mean, I do, to, mostly to my dad, but uh, I'm wondering how that dynamic is for you. Like, uh, do, do you talk to them a lot about your um, your process um, in the making? How how do they support you? Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're actually really supportive, which is nice. Um, yeah, they tell me to get to bed, um, but that's probably a fair point. So, oh no 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 that doesn't work for indie makers for young indie makers all of us we all know in, in the chat it doesn't work we don't go to sleep ever <laughs> i actually haven't been going to bed that fast like that far past 12 lately so that's good um but yeah they're super supportive it's actually kind of funny because they check my maker.rocks profile um, oh wow to see what i've been doing on makerlog <laughs> That's pretty cool that your parents checked your like your maker log account to know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, and they're like, oh, <laughs> when they want to call you for chores and they just checked your maker log and you're like in progress making offline support. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh no, never mind. No, I do. I do like talk to them and stuff, but you know, like at dinner or or whatever. If I've spent the whole day like working on a Kanban mail. Then like I can't even remember like all the stuff I've I've like done that day, so they're like, "What did you do?" And like I'll say some stuff, but then I kind of like forget the rest because oh, I've wow. been doing so much stuff that day. So yeah. Indie makers then, dilemma. Like, we're too productive. Then they'll randomly be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you reached 800 downloads on Megalog menu bar." And I'm like, "Oh really?" And then like, oh yeah. dude, they keep you updated on stats. That's fire. <laughs> they come up to you like, "Hey." Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, moving on from that. After the win, after you won Maker.Rocks, and where, where have you taken it? Like, what have you done afterwards uh, in terms of features, in terms of marketing, and, and what do you plan to do with it eventually in the long run? Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, basically, um, well, we weren't allowed to edit it for a week. Um, and there was all this stuff that I'd wanted to add, but I hadn't really got time yet. Um, so after that, I just kind of added a ton of stuff um, that I hadn't got around to. Um, and since then, I haven't worked on it a whole lot. Um, and the reason for that is I felt kind of in the few weeks after after the Maker.Rocks, like after the 24-hour startup uh, challenge and everything, I was finding it kind of hard to focus on Kanban Mail. Um, like I felt, you know, like there's all, like my old code that I wrote back in June, and then there's, you know, like this exciting new code which I won $1,000 for. Um, oh, yeah. But I kind of had to keep 
reminding myself um, that, you know, like Kanban Mail is ultimately like I don't see my future being like working full time on Maker.rocks, you know, um, was like, I'm not sure what I'll do, but, you know, uh, like Kanban Mail, if I was like at the moment, if I was going to have like if I was going to have a full time product, it would be Kanban Mail. Right. Um, and also that's the only one that's making revenue at the moment. Um, I was actually thinking of adding monetization to make it at rocks. Um, but in turn, I haven't really been able to find um, a feature set that people would pay for. Um, because like, again, like selling to makers is hard. Um, yeah. I mean, like lots of makers can code, um, some can't. Uh, but so, you know, uh, they'll like make a maker.rocks profile and stuff and link to it and really like it. Um, but when it's like, Okay, uh, do you want to just like uh, pay the price of a coffee to uh, like post it on your own domain or whatever? They're like, no, I'm gonna code my own site. Dun, 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 you know, um, like, so I think like selling to makers is very hard. Um, so I haven't added any monetization stuff yet, um, but I do plan to eventually. Um, I actually, I don't know when I'm gonna uh, do this um, because. As I said before, like Make It or Rocks sort of can sometimes distract me from Canva Mail a bit. Um, but I think I need to, like, I'm basically going to give everything uh, an overhaul. So um, at the moment, there are kind of profiles, um, but I'm going to uh, do cool stuff like I'm going to have tabs. Um, so there'll be like, you know, a stats tab and like, uh, like, like different. So there'll be like one tab with like all these graphs and then maybe a, a tab with, uh, like all the Twitter posts and then because at the moment I basically just have a two column layout um, But ultimately that can't like when I add all these more advanced stats and stuff like that can't really support that, right? Yeah um, So I'm gonna do that sometime. Um, but for the moment, it's not a huge focus um, Just because um, I feel like the at like at the moment the time invested into Canva mail um, is probably more effective um but yeah, I do. I do plan to um, eventually kind of give it an overhaul, and yeah. So uh, something I found very interesting about what uh, what you just expressed is that you with Maker that rocks, you were facing the the shiny new thing dilemma. Uh, how how did you eventually uh, cope with that like rough period of not wanting to work on Camden Mail because you you saw it and you were like. Oh, <laughs> how did you eventually like move on and 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 start working on Camden Mail again and re regain that uh, passion that like dipped a little? Yeah. Um. So I think like right after like uh, the twenty four hour startup challenge, like it was, it was all like super excitement and stuff. Um. And then after kind of like a few weeks, I kind of had to remind remind myself, okay, you've got to like get back to work, all right? Yeah. Stop. Twitter every two minutes um but yeah so I think like really it was just a matter of thinking okay uh, like I'm really not spending enough um time on Canva mail and if I continue like this for you know the next like five months like alt like it's probably gonna die right um and I feel like like I still felt um I still kind of felt passionate about Canva mail um but I don't know I just I didn't really um, like some of the excitement uh, of, of working on Canva Mail had like had gone. Um, so I think basically the way I regained that really 
um, was just by kind of thinking, okay, so for a few weeks I just like won't work on Make It a Rock, so I'll just kind of see what happens. Um, and kind of just, uh, in a sort of, like in a way forcing myself um, to, like, you know, to keep um, adding, like, to keep working on the Canva mail code, right? Um, because I feel like uh, the best way to, how do I say this? Like, the best way to to keep motivated is kind of just to keep doing things. Um, like, for example, if, if you're kind of getting, like, really tired of working on your projects, like, don't kind of, like, I don't think the best thing is to stop for a week and just, like, chill and then come back to it. Um, I think what's better is um, kind of just doing a small thing for every day um, and then kind of just spending the rest of the time to, like, think about it or whatever. Um, because then you kind of still have the motivation um, and, like, you're, you're still familiar with, like, the feeling of, of doing stuff for it. Um, and I think a lot of, like, to be honest, uh, like so quite a bit of the excitement for Canva Mail is based on what features I'm working on. So like there are some features, for example, like drafts where, you know, like they're necessary, but like that's boring, right? Um, and then there are kind of exciting features like offline support um, where like that's maybe not quite as crucial, um, but it still like sets you apart quite a lot. And it's something that's really exciting to work on. Um, um, so I think... Like it's it's like don't just kind of work on all the tasks like as you like whichever gets you the most excited. Um, but I think when you are feeling a lack of motivation, one thing can be to kind of just um, okay, get stash, <laughs> get, get stash all the changes and move on to um, something else. Yeah, and just like do whichever feature seems the most exciting. That's actually um, that's actually a very interesting strategy because um, uh, sometimes you start working on stuff you don't want to work on, right? And it's boring. Yeah. You, you really don't want to do this. You don't want to have to go through this, right? And I never really thought of that. That's actually a very interesting strategy. Just get stashed everything you've done and work on something interesting until you regain that motivation. It's actually very interesting. And uh, by the way, uh, there's something I, I want to say real quick. A uh, slight, slight uh, moment to congratulate Ethan on finally... <laughs> Using separate JS files for Kanban mail. <laughs> still like ninety, probably like eighty percent of my JavaScript is still in the index.html. Probably ninety percent, really. But at least I have three files now, and two of them actually end with .js. They're not HTML files with it all in like a script tag. So, <laughs> bingo, good work, good. You know what? People, people in the chat are clapping. This this is a true victory right here. Um, that actually kind of leads me to an interesting point that I wanted to to talk about. Code quality in the indie maker community, there's a huge um, a dilemma. Uh, there's figures that say that code quality doesn't matter. There's uh, just ship that thing, and then there's people who say code quality matters, and uh, you know, take your time with it. Where do you stand on this, like? Uh, do you stand on the middle ground of, you know, do things right and, and ship fast? Or do you say ship slow and, uh, you know, make sh make sure things work? W what are your thoughts on this? Well, that's actually, that's quite interesting. Um, because at the moment with offline support, it's, um, it's given me a really good opportunity to rewrite quite a lot of stuff. 
Um, so, like, this is very topical. Um, oh, I'm not sure. I, um, hmm. I feel like if you have really good quality code at the start, um, like, you're not sure where it's going to go, right? Yeah. So, like, if you use all, like, these fancy object-oriented things and everything, like, for your first two features, um, like, you don't really know what, like, how your code, like, how your code's going to take shape, right? Um, but if you have kind of super messy code and stuff, um, then even though it can get a bit confusing, you've got, like, you know, um, like after like after you've launched your product um you kind of know um like you have a vision for your code in a way um and you kind of like you know how the things are going yeah to you around. you have an idea of where you want to take the code right and and the architecture yeah. right yeah yeah so um i'm not sure i think if you so if you do really messy code and everything right from the start, um, I think like for the first four months or whatever, it's gonna be like amazing, you know, and it's gonna be all good and shipping fast. But then, um, you know, 10 months later or whatever, it's probably gonna come back to hurt you. Um, Absolutely. And not, not really in like, you know, getting hacked or anything like that necessarily. Um, like probably then it might uh, have a bad effect in terms of bugs, um, but that kind of depends. But really, um, it'll it'll crush your motivation in a way. Um, I, uh, I think that um, it's mostly about yeah, as you say, like finding a sweet spot, a sweet spot in which you don't overthink your architecture, right? You don't go, you do not spend a, a month thinking, oh wow, so this is gonna work with this, and this is gonna connect with this, and and you end up overcomplicating everything. I think. Uh, Excess complexity is is a bad thing. It's an absolute bad thing. I mean, you don't need. Uh, sorry to the Redux folks out there. You don't need Redux for a to do app. <laughs> but you know, it's it's all about managing and, and and balancing the complexities, as you say. Like, don't go to all in. Don't go spend like a whole month on architecture. Just uh, make something that's maintainable and, and small and just works. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it's about, like, in a way, psychology. Um, and, like, because in a way, it's about shifting where the boring part is, right? So if you architect it um, all, uh, you know, like, from the start and thinking this is going to go here and all that stuff, um, then, like, I think chances are you'll probably, like, just lose motivation before you even release it, right? Yeah. Um, because that gets boring. Um, so I actually, I'm actually just thinking about this now. Um, but I reckon it's probably better to have messy code at the start, um, because then, like, you've launched it, right? Um, like, it's an actual product. Um, I mean, unless you shut it down, um, if you want to, like, there's no going back, right? Um, so then it's like you have the product out there. Um, now you can do all like the boring work, all the boring work. So that then in the future, it's not boring and you can kind of expand stuff and make the version 2 like 10 times better than the version 1, right? Oh, um, that's... And that's kind of what I'm doing right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting point of view. Like, not necess don't worry too much about arch architecture. Just ship something 
and perhaps get validation from the community about, hey, maybe this works. Oh, hey, this is cool. I, I want to buy it, right? Get validation and then worry about the rest, right? Yeah, like, like validation, number one. Um, and so, yeah, number one, like you don't want to spend years architecting all this nice code that nobody even wants to use. Um, and then the second thing is also um, just kind of putting it out there, kind of almost holding you accountable to like keep going, right? Um, because I mean, after, you know, like Candomail gets number one on Hacker News and gets like uh, 22,000 visitors in one day, like you're not gonna say, oh, I'm kind of getting bored of this, like let's kind of just put it on hold for like another six months, right? Um, like you, you, then you want to release it, you want to launch it, you can see the yeah. real users paying you, oh my gosh, I want to keep going, right? Um, I mean, obviously there are like the bad days um, where you really like are feeling completely unmotivated. Um, but I think ultimately once, once it's launched, once it's out there, once you've got validation, um, you're going to almost be forced to keep going in a way. Like the, your users are holding you accountable. Um, I have a very personal experience to share about this and it's regarding my, you probably know about this, uh, my previous, uh, not previous, more like current suspended project uh, OpSpot, right? So at first it started out super messy. It got validated, right? But then I I, I got the that you know that uh, how do I say this urge to take that really messy, ugly code, right, and rewrite it all in React Redux, React Mavix, right? And overall, I mean, the product was very polished. It's very polished in a way in terms of um, user experience, but also it does drain you and it takes away your motivation to work on it, right? Because uh, you, you, if you start off with things like React Redux, right? And you see this monumental task and you're like, oh, so I have to make 20 more files for 20 reducers and you know, all that stuff, right? So complexity also acts as a demotivating factor in a way. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, if you worry too much about architecture, which is my, my mistake, uh, then you end up forgetting about the things that actually matter. And uh, that that's that's a mistake a lot of uh, creators make, right? That they, and this happens mostly in software engineers, not necessarily people who. Uh, who like learn to code because uh, uh, you know software engineers and computer science students they we care too much about architecture and, and, and the shiny new thing but people who learn to code and they just look at it and they want to make it work right and that's that's a very interesting factor about the maker community most people are self-taught right and uh have a balance between coding and making as uh, Sonny just said in the chat and that's a very important thing right because uh, if you focus too much on architecture you're gonna focus too little on the actual product and that's that's uh, that kills products right there yeah I mean I think ultimately the thing is you want to put your users first right um, absolutely so yeah. making it all fancy and split up into heaps of files and object-oriented and using Redux and whatever um, like when you're doing that um, when you're first uh, making like your product before you've even released it like that's not putting your users first right yeah um, 
ultimately, even if you think it is at the time, um, that's not helping your users at all, right? Um, so you always need to think about what's best for your users. Um, so at that point, that's not best for your users. Um, but now, like with Canva Mail, um, I think uh, kind of, I mean, I'm not fully rewriting it, but like a kind of rewriting some parts to make it much cleaner, that is a worthwhile investment that will benefit my users. Definitely. Um, so that means that I can like add new features for them much more quickly, um, and that will ultimately benefit them. Um, but doing it right at the start, that doesn't benefit them at all. In exactly, fact, yeah. Means they have to wait longer until they can use it, right? Um, the user, the user only, only like, they don't care about your stack, essentially. Yeah. They just want to see something that works, something that solves a problem for them, and uh, a lot of people lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, I think also when it comes to what I was saying before about working on features that you're excited to work on, um, I think, like, yes, definitely put what your user, like, definitely put the user first. Like, definitely kind of work on what they want and stuff. But the thing is, if you're not getting motivation, um, like, if you're feeling really demotivated working on this feature that they really want but is, like, super boring, um, then eventually there's going to be no product at all, right? Um, and that is bad for your users. Um, so it's kind of a balance. Um, like when they say focus on your users, I don't think they necessarily mean directly. Um, they mean like in the long run, what's best for your users. So like maybe working on this exciting feature instead of what they want in the long run will be better for your users because then like it won't shut down. Or maybe rewriting the code uh, to make it all fancy is in the long run better for your users because then you can add like a bunch of cool new features for them that they really want much faster. Um, so I think that's something. So it, it, it's more like treating your technical skills and code. At, it's more like treating your code as an investment, right? Yes. It, you start small and then you, you make big investments and and because you know it will eventually possibly have a big payoff like for example yeah. refactoring a large part of your code to uh, uh because it reduces say uh, bug rate by 10x right that's a very worth that, that's a worthwhile investment right so yeah. it, it, it's all about treating your time and code as an investment mm -hmm. I, I think that's the the key takeaway there and um well guys uh it's currently 8 p.m. over here. It's pretty much an hour uh, of podcasting. Uh, sorry it has to come to such an abrupt end, but there is one last thing, and okay. it's viewer questions. All right, so. Yes. Okay, so uh, I had a few on Twitter. I don't have Twitter open right now. I'm sorry for the people who asked on Twitter. <laughs> um, I think somebody asked something on Twitter. I forgot what. Uh, they they had a question um okay so i think sunny asked something he was like okay are you trying to work on Camden mail full-time or what's your backup plan um well i mean like ultimately at the moment um like i'm at school um so i'm kind of only, like i mean really unless i drop out of school uh which i'm like not gonna do at this stage um like i'm basically stuck working on it uh part-time for the next two yeah, for the next two or three, I think three years. Um, so, like, yeah, I'm not gonna suddenly uh, start working on it full time anytime soon. Um, but I think 
you know, I'd love to have it kind of still going by the time I finish school and kind of, I mean, like hopefully uh, making um, like enough uh, MRR where like, uh, you know, um, I can, like I could choose to go um, like straight out of school, like work full time on it. Um, like I, like, I don't know which option I choose. Um, Cause I mean, to be honest, like, you know, I've never worked in an office um, and like, I don't know, I kind of want to experience that. Um, I'll see. But um, like, it would be cool to have, like to be in a situation, um, I don't know, like, yeah, like where um, I could work on it full time if that's what I chose to do um, by the end of school, which is like three years. So I have three years to get it up there. <laughs> um, so uh, another question here is, is there a petition or something I can pay so we don't stop podcasting right now? <laughs> well, um, Alina, uh, unfortunately, there is no petition, although you can start a Kickstarter and uh, no, 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 uh, a change.org petition and just throw money in there. We might be able to, to continue <laughs> uh, kidding, but uh, we, we actually we have to leave. Um, but uh, one more question. What are your plans to grow your projects like Kanban Mail? Are you focusing on new features right now or is there a marketing roadmap as well? Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, this is something I really, like I didn't get time to talk about uh, the whole thing. Um, but this year I was kind of thinking um, of doing like starting to do business to business sales. Um, but then I kind of started looking more into, you know, like all the legal stuff. And like, to be honest, it's a bit scary, right? Um, because if it's just someone with their emails, then it's like, okay. Yes. Um, but when a company like, is kind of all about like, you know, they're calculating the math, thinking like, what's the return on investment? Like how many like hours will this bug cause me to lose, which equals to how much revenue and, you know? Um, so I think it's a much more high pressure, basically. Um, so I think like B2B will, like if I did that, it would increase my MRR a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's much more pressure. Um, yeah, enterprises is hard. Enterprises. Yeah, so hard. what I'm hoping is that I can, like sometime this year, I can just kind of find a few like chilled three-person companies, you know, like... <laughs> Market mostly yeah. to startups? Hmm? Market, marketing yeah. mostly to like startups and small businesses? Yeah, like small businesses. Um, but kind of hopefully tech savvy enough so they're not like really like worried and like yeah oh no. like <laughs> so you don't get emails at 3 a.m. asking hey uh, how do I click the menu <laughs> but yeah so uh, that is one plan in terms of marketing um, also kind of marketing plus uh, features is launching a v2 um, so like even now uh, Canva mail is like a heap better than it was back when uh, I launched it on product time um, and on the roadmap, I've got lots of things which will probably like doubly improve it, you know? Um, so sometime this year, once I've implemented lots of those, I want to launch a V2. And basically my vision for that is just to like have a really, really overpowered thing that kind of has like everything you could think of, right? And like uh, barely any bugs and kind of just, you know, like, uh, like solid and has all these powerful features and Hopefully I can launch that and then have like a good conversion rate and then get a ton more people signing up. And like, that's the goal. I don't know if it'll happen. But you could probably launch on Product Hunt again. Like just have a nice launch and uh, and maybe even double your MRR. That'd be cool. 
Yeah. Um, one more question. Uh, Fajar is asking a very important question here. It's a very, very important question. What do you eat to make you focus? <laughs> what do I eat? I don't know. Food? <laughs> I don't know food. That is the best answer on this podcast yet. I don't know food. Like, like I, I don't know. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do a two-hour coding session. Uh, now let's eat my special um, JavaScript view development broth. Um, oh, yeah. Like, uh, actually, Sonny said he eats bully goosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, then? <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I kind of, I don't know, like, uh, I don't, like, food isn't really something which helps my productivity, I would say. Like, the the what, the number one, like, non-coding thing that helps my productivity is probably intense music, um, <laughs> but not so much food. I, I can totally relate to this, even though I do like my, my, my nice bag of Tostitos right next to my desk, so I can, I can, you know... <laughs> get a disease or something from eating too much junk food i don't know um anyway another question wow these questions are coming in all right can you make a mac app for Kanban mail oh yeah that that's actually that's an interesting thing um so i actually i think before the launch i started working on a mac app um and here's the thing where it's kind of like about you know what will ultimately pay off um Basically, it was pretty much just an electron wrapper um, for the web app. So I actually kind of have that on my computer. Um, but then I started getting into like the security thing. Um, so, you know, uh, like it's not easy to hack and stuff. Like that's a big thing. Um, and then also um, like auto update and stuff. Um, because like one of my biggest fears, um, which I'm gonna have to work out with service workers and stuff, which I'm working on now. Um, but one of my biggest fears in a way is when you can, it's like when you update the code and it doesn't update everywhere. This is why I'm, I'm like a web developer, not like, uh, <laughs> like an iOS developer or anything. Um, oh yeah, when people don't like, it, that's a that's a thing with native. Nobody updates things ever. Um, so then I kind of started working on up like auto update, like based on Git, and then it kind of got really complicated. And I was kind of like, wait a sec, like maybe two people two people will download this. Um, so I kind of basically put it on hold. Um, but I do actually have that on my computer. Um, and I think definitely I will launch it sometime before the V2 uh, yeah. launch. Now that you mention it, I actually do remember that you, you, you showed me a screenshot of, a, of an Electron app. You were actually, yeah, it, it was on Twitter, I think. Yeah, I even got like the, the number of unread emails working in like the badge icon and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty fire. So, uh, you know what? It may be coming, Kerr. It may be coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, one more question. Well, I keep saying one more question. Like it's the last. That's not the last. But. Let's probably go for like another five, five-ish minutes. Oof. Maybe a bit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If, big oof. Like if there are more questions. 
Okay, so two more questions. All right, so what metrics do you track in in Canmon Mail? What stats do you pay attention to mostly? Well, um, like I should probably do this more, but like pretty much like the goal. I mean, other than having like happy users and all that stuff, but like from a stats point of view, is kind of just like MRR, right? Um, so that's kind of the main thing, um, because, like to judge the success in a way. Um, because, you know, when people are paying $8 a month for it, that means kind of like they think it's valuable, right? Um, yeah. So in a way, also related to how happy they are. Um, but, I mean, I don't really ch track like churn as a metric. Um, but I wasn't really bothered to set up like a whole automatic cancel the su subscription thing. So at the moment, like you click cancel subscription and it like opens up an email to me saying, hey, can you cancel my subscription? So like whenever somebody does cancel a subscription, like... It's like, like not really, but like in a way, it's a bit like emotional. Sort like <laughs> I don't see it and burst out crying. Like it's a loss. It's a big loss. Especially in December, um, that's like two months after launch. So like that's kind of where there's a bit of a drop off. Like of all the people, like of some people realizing like, oh maybe I don't need this or whatever, or maybe it's too expensive or whatever. Um, so there was this one week where like I think two or three people cancelled. And it, like, I was feeling down that week, right? <laughs> I was like, please hope no one cancels well, that's tomorrow like, as well. Right? It's like 16 bucks <laughs> off your like, MRR. That's crazy. Hmm? Uh, if it's like $8 a month, that's like 16 bucks off your MRR. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, like luckily, like actually, like a ton of people were still signing up that month. So I think in the end, my MRR only went down like eight or six or something. Um, so yeah, that offset it. Um, but like... And you have to like manually go into Stripe and like next to the bit with their credit card and click and then go cancel immediately and like. <laughs> oh wow, that's um, that must be emotionally shocking, like. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm used to it now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> at oh. first that was a bit like oh, that's <laughs> Well, um, one more question. Okay, all good. <laughs> okay, so uh, Fajar just asked. Uh, well, this is, I'm not going to uh, attend this question because you pretty much answered it, but Fajar asked uh, if you're going to sell to business to business, which uh, you said yes, uh, essentially. Uh, yeah. And uh, this is a very big question somebody asked on Twitter, but I I'm going to go ahead and, and, and tackle it. Um, why did you start developing? Why, like, developing products? Or just yeah. Developing um, uh, code. I think he. I, I think the person meant code. Like, how, why did you start coding? Okay. Um. Well, I've always liked making things. Like, I mean, even if it's like, like playing with Lego when I'm like five or whatever. <laughs> like, I've always really liked making things. Um. And, like, to some extent, like I like making real things, right? Um. But like, you know, when you're like, uh, I don't know, how old was I? I might have been like 10, 11. When, like when you're an 11 year old, you can't just like suddenly go and like build a proper house, you know, right? Um, but like with coding, you can build a, like a proper website that's just as good as like any website like by Google or by yeah. like whoever, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I couldn't just like, I don't know, walk into some paddock with like some, I don't know, uh, poles and kind of build a house or something. Um, but yeah, so I, I really like creating. 
Um, and I think coding was like a really good way to to like express that in a way. Um, if you know what I mean, because like, yeah, it's democratized. Like anyone can do it. Um, exactly. And yeah. Create like proper stuff. Um, and all you need to do is just kind of like sit at a computer and type some things and then, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing that if you want, if you desire, and you have enough motivation for it, you can literally build Amazon, or you can build yeah. Google, or you can build anything you want if you really want it. And there's nothing yeah. stopping you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the indie making community and, and about yeah, about the indie making community that we took advantage of, of, of this fact that the, the tech industry is at its peak right now, that uh, expensive stuff that wasn't available to, to individuals is now available to everybody. Now, everybody can have access to a server, everybody can have a server, a domain, everybody can have all that stuff. And that's absolutely beautiful. I think that's something amazing that will really shape the future in the next few decades as as apps and software as it becomes more and more user centric and less and less corporation centric yeah well now it is the time to close uh we are almost yeah, almost 13 minutes off schedule but if it were for me, it could have gone for like six hours. You remember that last six hour stream? I could have totally done that, but... Um, we can do a part two sometime. We, we definitely have to like sit down and go and like have a part two of the six hour, uh, six hour marathon. Um, but all in all, thanks for watching guys. Uh, this was the first episode. We, I am quite new at this. I, I hope everything was very enjoyable to everybody. And uh, thanks for watching. Uh, socials, well, Bullygush at Twitter, uh, go ahead, maker.rocks, I think, at Bullygush? Um, I think it's maker.rocks slash Ethan. Slash Ethan. Uh, that's the cool thing about making websites, you can get the best usernames ever. Uh, and getmakerlog.com slash at Bullygush. And I am Sergio, uh, I am twitter.com slash Matane. And you can find me on makerlog as at Sergio. Then again, that username's thing. Uh, so thanks for watching and lights out. Thanks guys.